She never fit the mold, and she proved the naysayers wrong. That's what made Hazel such a trailblazer. It feels a little strange to be here today. Hazel was so unstoppable, I think we all felt she was gonna live forever. We thank you, and we all love you, and we'll all miss you. Good evening. We begin tonight with the final farewell to one of the country's most recognized and revered politicians. Dignitaries join friends and family of Hazel McCallion to honor the former Mississauga mayor today. CTV Sean Leifong is at the site of this morning's service and joins us live. Sean. Well, Nathan and Andrew, in a life that spanned longer than a century, many of the people who spoke about Hazel McCallion today did so in similar terms. They spoke about her strong will, a fierce advocate for her city and women's sports. But they also spoke about how she was all those things right up until the last time they spoke with her. A scene of respect, a funeral of the highest honor, a homecoming for Hazel McCallion. On what would have been her 102nd birthday, McCallion was remembered as a leader like none other. Very determined, very hardworking, no nonsense and successful. You were never in doubt as to where the mayor stood on any issue. Mayor of Mississauga for 36 years, she was called the matriarch of her city, always influential. The last time we spoke, she told me how proud she was of my council. With that influence stretching farther than her city, a presence felt at all levels right up to a recent talk with the prime minister. She told me, I had to keep pushing hard for Canadian jobs and workers during President Biden's upcoming visit to Canada, and of course I said I would. It was impressive that she was still working hard herself and always putting people first. Her influence most evident through an emotional Premier Doug Ford, who rushed to be at McCallion's side before it was too late. I took her hand and offered her as much comfort Comfort as I could. I told her, I love you, Hazel. Earlier in the day, they lined up by the thousands to enter the Paramount Fine Food Center. Hazel, ma'am, is like a mom to me. It's been a wonderful life she lived. As leaders were eager to tell stories about McCallion, like MP and former Ontario Finance Minister Charles Sousa, who once was with McCallion in Europe. And then some guy comes up in a big stretch limousine, and he was the mayor of the town. And Hazel goes, how big is your town? Oh, it's 100,000 people or something to that effect. She goes, I got a million people. I drive my own car. Or Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown talking about a women's hockey tournament in his city. She would call me and say, you need to call this team. They're having a problem getting ice. I'm like, here's someone who's 101, retired for literally years, and she was getting that involved just to help. A passionate advocate for women's sports, friends reminding about McCallion's work to make women's hockey an Olympic sport. We didn't have the money, we had the enthusiasm, and we had Hazel's voice. And when Hazel spoke, people listened. And listened they did. On her final trip, like in her life, Hazel McCallion commanding the respect and the admiration of a city, a province, a nation. When speaking about the will of Hazel McCallion, I'm told that she wanted everything to be organized right up until today. So much of what people saw in the funeral today was actually organized by McCallion herself. Reporting live, I'm Sean Lethong. I'll send it back inside. All right, thank you, Sean. One dignitary not at McCallion's funeral was John Tory. 
Toronto's embattled mayor is on the eve of a looming budget as questions swirl about why he's still at the helm of the city. CTV's Austin Delaney joins us live from City Hall. Austin. Well, when John Tory said he would resign on Friday from the mayor's job, he still hasn't done it. He hasn't set a date yet. And now there's a growing movement to get him to stay on the job. Mayor John Tory's allies are actively trying to convince him to rescind his pledge to resign from office after admitting to an inappropriate relationship with a staffer. Absolutely, I'm in favor of him staying on, serving the people of Toronto, because that's what I believe they want, and that's what we need at this time. Can he walk this back? Uh, well, I mean, ultimately, that's a decision he's going to have to make, but I don't see why not. Tory pledged late Friday evening in a hastily called news conference to step down, but some councillors are meeting privately with the mayor, urging him not to. Everybody's got their opinion. I don't, I don't see anybody pushing to have him go. He's the one who said he's going. I'm not sure what these folks are doing. They're people that are very close to him and he, all helped, he, get, he helped all of them get elected last term. It appears to be a sensitive subject around City Hall. Some councillors refusing to talk about it publicly. See one of the councillors on board trying to get him to uh, not resign, change his mind? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not going to comment on that. What do you why, do? Why, why won't you comment on that? I'm not trying to get him to change his mind, okay? No. Tory has not yet given his notice to vacate the office of the mayor, but has indicated he will stay on at least to follow through the budget process. Only the mayor can speak for the mayor's decisions. Um, I just believe that the mayor uh, would be wise to do what he really believes is right and not just sort of test the political waters uh, over, over his decision. According to Toronto elections, the cost of running the full 2022 election was $21.7 million. And the cost of hiring staff out of that $21.7 million was $9.8 million. It is not clear what a citywide by-election would cost. Yeah, it costs millions to get them elected in the first place. The, the price of letting Torontonians pick their government is completely acceptable and necessary and it's part of being in a democratic society. Progressive councillor Gord Perks says the right is fearing a left-leaning politician may win the mayor's seat if and when it is vacated. Now, Tory hasn't spoken publicly since Friday. He didn't take any questions that day. We might get a chance to hear from him tomorrow when council meets on budget. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. All right, thank you, Austin. The mayor's allies may be calling on him to stick around, but there are concerns someone else wants to know how the city would feel if he did. CTV's Beth McDonnell joins us now to explain. Beth, what's this all about? Nathan, people in Toronto are getting phone calls about how they feel if the mayor decided to stick around for weeks, possibly even longer. The calls and who's behind it are raising lots of questions. The first question right off the bat was about John Tory. Monday evening, Gil Meslin got this curious phone call on his landline. John Tory is making the right decision by resigning as mayor of Toronto, or do you feel he should not resign and remain in office? If yes, he made the right decision by resigning, please press 2. If no, he should not resign and he should... Meslin put the phone on speaker and hit record. Do you feel John Tory deserves a second chance to be mayor despite making a personal mistake? If yes, he should have a second chance as mayor of Toronto, please press 2. If no, he should not have a second chance, please press 3. 
The robocall went to several households and appears to be a poll. It comes just days after Revelations Mayor John Tory had an affair with a staffer and offered up his resignation. But timing on that hasn't been confirmed. Meslin doesn't know who's behind the call. He says he found all of the questions similar, yet worded differently. To me, it came across as somebody trying to test not so much whether or not uh, Mayor Tory should stay in office, but if he chose to stay, how to package that. With the chaos swirling at City Hall, people in Toronto's political circles and residents are wondering who commissioned it. This is the wild, wild west when it comes to polling. I mean, obviously there are credible companies that will that will say this is who who is. Um, you, know, uh, you know, issuing the poll, uh, but that's not what was happening here. While the mystery remains, Toronto NDP MPP Kristen Wong-Tam notes these types of calls are expensive to run. There's somebody in some company out there who's, uh, who's invested in changing the narrative around the mayor's resignation. CTV News called the number that appeared on one recipient's ID. You've reached the polling operations center research line. It says if you'd like to speak with a live polling agent to press 5. We apologize. We're experiencing a larger than normal call volume. Twice we tried to leave a voice message, but the call was cut off both times. The mayor's office tells us Mayor Tory and the office have nothing to do with these calls. Reporting live at City Hall, I'm Beth McDonnell. Now back to the desk. All right, thank you, Beth. Adding insult to injury, a Toronto man maimed in a hit-and-run crash is denied insurance benefits from the car that hit him. CTV News investigates just ahead. High above the city tonight and a live look at the end of another beautiful February day. Sunshine and warmth probably has a lot of you looking forward to spring, but... Will it last? The woman with the answer, Lindsay Morrison, is here to look at the current conditions. Lindsay. Well, Andrea, it's going to last for another day. We're just not going to have the same amount of sunshine as we enjoyed today. It was glorious out there. It's currently six degrees in the city of Toronto, but earlier today we made it to eight point nine. We'll round that up to nine degrees, and unofficially that makes this a record-breaking day. It was a double-digit temperature day in places like Collingwood, Sarnia, and Hamilton. Here's the current satellite and radar starting to get a little bit of an increase in cloud cover ahead of this next low pressure system. Now, this looks like a soaker. It's really not going to be. It's going to bring us some showers through the day tomorrow. Perhaps the bigger story is just how windy it's going to be. We are under a special weather statement here in the city of Toronto. It's also going to be very warm. There's another temperature record in jeopardy. We'll take you through the weather forecast coming up. For Nello Nathan, it's back to you. All right, thank you, Lindsay. Three teenagers have been arrested in connection with the attack of a woman at Spadina Station on Sunday. Police say she was spit on and was cut with a knife during a verbal dispute with three people inside the station. Officers arrested the suspects during a call in the Long Branch and Lake Promenade area Monday. Police say during that incident, a boy swung a machete at an officer in the stairwell of a residential building. A 16-year-old boy, a 15-year-old boy, and a 15-year-old girl are facing a total of 25 charges for the two incidents. To a CTV News investigation and a story about a Toronto man who was badly injured in a hit-and-run crash. He now needs constant care that he cannot afford. And as CTV's John Woodward reports, insurance company demands are compounding the problem. I remember being pushed, flying through the air, my head smashing against the road. Alan Weymouth can't forget that terrible day last March when the 59-year-old was hit by a car on Wilson Avenue while riding his e-bike and left with life-altering injuries. It shattered my femur bone. 
So I had seven hours surgery, blood transfusion, and now I'm, I gotta learn how to walk all over again. The driver was charged criminally in what police called a hit and run. Weymouth was eventually discharged from the hospital, unable to work and needing constant care he couldn't afford. Care that was denied by the insurer for the hit and run driver, economical insurance. None of this was my fault, and I just don't understand why I'm being denied stuff. It's absolutely not right. Weymouth's lawyer Ben Fodia says it comes down to the rates. The provincial government's guideline is as low as $14 an hour. In Ontario, the minimum wage is $15.50 an hour. Basically, his accident benefits insurer has been trying to pay less than minimum wage for his housekeeping, home maintenance, and personal care services. The rates have been that low since 2018, but industry insiders tell us there's usually been a way to get a compromise, and it goes like this. Say you're covered for $15 an hour of care, but your caregiver gets paid $30 an hour. You can pool two hours of coverage to get $30 to give to your caregiver, and that way you can have one hour of care without being out of pocket. But since a divisional court ruling in 2021, more insurers are saying they don't have to pool hours and are demanding care workers get paid less. So there's going to be a lot of people left without care or left with the option that they may have to pay for that care out of their settlement later down the road. Anchor Rehabilitation says it's had to scale back its business because more and more insurers are taking this position. We got in touch with Economical, who told us accident benefits are highly regulated with defined coverages and in many cases are intended to only partially cover certain costs. Economical pays benefits according to the accident benefits regime. An insurance industry rep told CTV News Weymouth can always take them to court. Weymouth wants the Ontario government to step in. My life will never be the same again because of this accident. All because of one person and now I, gotta, I have to fight to get everything. A fight Weymouth couldn't predict because he can't pick the insurance company of the car that hit him. John Woodward, CTV News. We'll continue to follow the story tomorrow with a look at the issue hampering care workers and what the regulator is saying about the problem. In the meantime, if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. Three people are in hospital following a home invasion in Thornhill. There was a weapon and it was, uh, there was a gun uh, seen, but that's all the information I have at this time. And the level of injury at this time, um, I don't have the exact level of injury, but at this point we believe it to be minor. Police in York Region say a trio of armed, masked men entered a home near Bathurst and Flamingo at about 8.30 Monday night. Officers say they assaulted and threatened the people in the house. No other information on whether anything was stolen was given, but police do say the incident appeared to be targeted. Police tonight continue to piece together the details behind a horrific and fatal overnight crash. A car driving off the 427 lost control and slammed into a series of barricades. Our Mike Walker is near the scene, which has been closed off for part of the day. Now, Mike, what do we know tonight? Well, Nathan, police are describing this as a very violent single vehicle crash that claimed the lives of three people. The driver remains in a hospital tonight and investigators believe the vehicle was traveling at a high rate of speed when it lost control on the off-ramp behind me.
A violent single vehicle crash on a Highway 427 off-ramp, claiming the lives of three young adults, and the driver is clinging to life. It looks like uh, just a, a driver error, extreme speed, and uh, tragically, three lives lost. Provincial police say the BMW lost control at the bend on the southbound off-ramp at Dundas. Hit the concrete wall, launched over the wall, went into the embankment, uh, got launched into the air, uh, striking a concrete wall, uh, and then redirecting back uh, onto the ground over the wall, ending up back on the southbound ramp to Dundas Street. Uh, the vehicle actually began on fire. The deadly crash happened around 11.30 last night, startling some people out of bed who live nearby. And then I heard a loud crash, and it sent me basically almost to the roof. It was so loud. And within about... 10 minutes, it was followed up by sirens. First responders pulled the driver and three passengers from the vehicle. Two men, 20 and 17 years old, who were in the rear seat were pronounced dead on scene. A 20-year-old woman passenger in the front seat later died in hospital. The driver, a 21-year-old man, remains in critical condition. They are all young adults. Uh, I don't believe there's any family relation. What we're more interested in is, you know, where it was coming from, where it was going, and, and uh, the condition of the driver and what was happening inside the vehicle at the time. It's terrible. I hope people drive a lot safer. It's an off-ramp right there, right? So you shouldn't really be going that fast in the first place. The off-ramp was closed for several hours overnight while police investigated. The OPP say alcohol and drugs are not believed to be factors. A tragic outcome, the result of excessive speed. Now, the latest update we just received from the OPP is that the three victims and driver are all international students from Bangladesh living in Toronto. Investigators are still trying to establish a timeline of events that led up to this triple fatal crash. Reporting live, I'm Mike Walker. Andrew, back to you. Thank you, Mike. Accusations of price gouging, long-term care home operators want the government to step in and cap how much agencies can charge. The details just ahead. The SIU's invoke his mandate after Toronto police shot a teen with a less lethal shotgun. Investigators say the boy was found armed with a knife just after midnight near King and York. Officers say the 15-year-old ran off after the shot was fired. He was later found and taken to hospital. No serious injuries were reported. Now, the SIU's mandate was invoked because an officer discharged a less lethal shotgun, which is classified as a firearm. Police have arrested a grade 9 Toronto student after a gun scare at Woburn Collegiate. Officers were called to the Scarborough School at about 10 this morning. The school was placed in lockdown for a short period, along with a nearby junior public school. Police say they located a toy firearm. No word yet if there will be charges. In Michigan, investigators are working to determine a motive behind last night's deadly shooting rampage at a university campus. What we're trying to understand is, is why this incident occurred. Three students were killed. Five others are in critical condition. A gunman opened fire at the East Lansing campus at Michigan State University. 43-year-old Anthony McRae fatally shot himself about three hours later following a manhunt that ended in a confrontation with police about eight kilometers from the school. He was not a student or employee of the university. The body of a Halifax woman has been found in the rubble of a collapsed building following last week's earthquakes. 33-year-old Samir Zora had traveled to Turkey for her doctoral research in anthropology. Time is running out to find survivors, but today more 
were rescued. A 17-year-old was rescued from the debris of the building eight days after the disaster struck. His 21-year-old brother was also saved today, and a woman in her 30s who had been traveling over <coughs> a building in the Turkish city of Antakya was rescued. Among the others found alive today, a 77-year-old man in Ariyaman who has been trapped for about 212 hours. There have been more than 40,000 confirmed deaths from Monday's earthquakes. Millions of people are homeless. NORAD says Canadian and American fighter jets were scrambled last night as four Russian military aircraft approached Alaska. None entered North American airspace. It happens regularly, but came at a time of heightened tension following the recent downing of four unidentified objects. CTV's Judy Trin has the latest on that. A photo of the wreckage from a massive Chinese spy balloon. Officials believe the so-called airship, the size of three buses, was gathering information from military sites as it floated across North America before it was shot down 10 days ago. A significant amount of debris, including some of the structure and some of the electronics. So all that's been shipped off now with our FBI partners. We're going to try to analyze that, see what we can learn. Since then, three other objects have been downed by American fighter jets. The most recent takedown over icy Lake Huron required two missiles. Uh, first shot missed. This former fighter pilot says the necessary precautions were taken. We certainly wouldn't want a missile to miss and then end up in some populated area as it finishes its trajectory and falls to Earth. So firing after these balloon-type objects over water necessarily ensures that no one's going to get hurt on the ground. The wreckage from Lake Huron and from Alaska and the Yukon, where the other aerial objects were shot down, have yet to be recovered. In its search effort, Canada has deployed icebreakers, military helicopters and RCMP search teams, but has yet to locate the debris. The terrain is extremely rugged. It is extremely remote. The temperature is approximately minus 25 degrees Celsius there, and there is heavy snow. So the recovery effort is difficult. Until the three wrecks are found, officials say they can't determine what the objects were being used for. What we're seeing is there's a, a range of different balloons uh, who, that seem to be uh, in different sizes and different, different numbers. Uh, we are now uh, continuing to do all the search we can to try and find and recover these th items so that we know about, more about them. At this point, what we do know about the downed objects is that they were much smaller than the Chinese spy balloon and that they floated on air and didn't have a propulsion system. Judy Trin, CTV News, Ottawa. Ukraine's NATO allies pledge more weapons today as the alliance says the war with Russia is approaching a critical stage. Canada's Anita Anand is among NATO defense ministers in Brussels for a two-day meeting on military aid to Ukraine. Kyiv renewed its appeal for fighter jets today, but there were no assurances. It is important from a Canadian perspective to continually put on the table any aid we possibly have. And we wanted to be amongst the first countries. So as soon as uh, Germany uh, released the permission for us to send the tanks, we were right out the door to do that. And that's the approach that Canada has taken from the very beginning. Today, Anon posted photos of Canadian soldiers training their Ukrainian counterparts on the fundamentals of the Leopard 2 tank. She says both of the heavy weapons pledged to Kyiv so far have now arrived in Poland. Meanwhile, the alliance plans to increase targets for stockpiling ammunition.
In Kyiv, Vladimir Zelensky met with Canada's foreign affairs minister today. The Ukrainian president discussed the needs of his country's armed forces with Melanie Jolie, as well as further cooperation on defense and security. Zelensky also thanked Canada for its warm attitude to Ukrainians and power assistance to his nation. The federal liberals invoked the Emergencies Act one year ago during the convoy protests. The Canadian Civil Liberties Association is taking the government to court over that and spoke today about what it calls a sad anniversary for Canada. It's not only that we, you know, we think the legal threshold wasn't met in this case, it's also that we, we don't think this case was a case that justified the use of emergency powers. The invocation allowed the government to enact sweeping temporary powers to help officials crack down on protesters. The CCLA says it anxiously awaits the release next week of a report following the national inquiry last week. Long-term care home operators are urging the government to step in and cap how much nursing agencies can charge. The agencies are accused of price gouging and there are calls for them to be held accountable. CTV's Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris has the story. The list of reasons is long, but three years into the pandemic and some long-term care homes are in a bind. We're struggling to have adequate numbers of staff working in our homes to provide that critical care to the people who live here. Homes like those Harrison runs are increasingly leaning on predatory nursing agencies to fill gaps. Pirating my staff from the parking lot from time to time. With promises of better hours and pay. Advantage Ontario asked 100 of the not-for-profit homes they represent. We found that 28% of shifts were unfilled in the homes we surveyed. So that's a lot of nurses that the homes have to fill on a temporary basis with people that are charged more. Advantage Ontario says its members pay registered nurses on average $43 an hour. The average agency cost is $88, with some charging as much as $150 for an hour's work, plus premiums for travel, last-minute and rural jobs. Harrison has had to take out lines of credit to make the math work. We budgeted $300,000 for this fiscal year. We will end this fiscal year having spent in excess of $3 million on agency staff. With the cost of temporary staff crowding out care. We believe that the provincial average of four hours of care by March 2025 will be almost impossible to achieve unless some actions are taken to stop these agencies from price gouging. Advantage Ontario wants the government to cap agency fees and prevent them from poaching. A spokesperson for the Minister of Long-Term Care says they are monitoring the cost of agency staffing, but there's no commitment to make a change. The opposition doesn't think the government is helping here by challenging in court a decision that struck down Bill 124, limiting public sector wage increases. Collapses the whole whole industry. And that's why the staffing crisis is going to continue unless they get rid of Bill 124. It's probably the biggest thing that has caused this crisis. Three years on, Stephen Harrison's talks with staff aren't any easier. It's hard to look at someone who says, is there a light at the end of the tunnel or is that just a train coming towards me? And, and I actually can't answer that question. Siobhan Morris, CTV News. Coming up, water woes. Why some Toronto boaters may be left high and dry this summer thanks to summer construction. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, it's Valentine's Day. But if you're still looking for love, be careful you don't get scammed. Canadians lost almost $60 million to romance scams last year as criminals create fake profiles and then ask for your money. I'll have what you need to know. That's just ahead.
Well, maybe this will help put into perspective just how mild it was today. Take a look at our last five Valentine's Days here in Toronto. Even last year, our high was only minus nine degrees with the overnight low well into the minus teens. If you're enjoying date night tonight, temperatures will be comfortable and the rain should hold off until the overnight. We'll take you through your forecast on the other side of this break and stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Valentine's Day is time to celebrate being with a loved one. But if you're still trying to find that special person, we have a warning tonight. The Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre says the romance scam is now the number two scam in Canada. It cost Canadians $59 million last year. Here's Pat Foran and Consumer Alert. Pat. Nathan and Andrea, scammers are using dating websites and social media to try and make connections with people. Once they do, they use fake photos to strike up relationships. And not long after that, they try to get your money. Valentine's Day is a time of year when you might think about trying to find a partner for a relationship. But the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre says keep in mind these figures. Over 1,000 people were victims of romance scams last year, losing $59 million, and it's believed the crime is underreported. Many scammers create fake profiles with photos taken from other websites. Profile pictures, which they, they steal from, you know, in some cases, models or actors from different countries. Um, to make it more appealing to the person. Not long after they've established an online relationship, they say they need money. That demand for money can, can only come months down the line after they know they've had that emotional connection with the victim. A woman contacted CTV News saying her father had been scammed out of $10,000 in an online relationship. The photos of the woman turned out to be stolen from an Instagram account. When her father refused to send more money, texts were sent that said, don't inform police or anybody, send me $10,000 for my boys, and threatened his life if he didn't send it. If anyone is experiencing that type of scenario where they're being threatened, they should immediately call the police. The Toronto Police Financial Crimes Unit says scammers are using dating, gaming and social media sites to find victims. Signs of a romance scam include someone declares their love for you quickly, makes excuses not to meet in person, the victim is told to not discuss the relationship with others and the scammer asks the victim for money for travel or an emergency. We've seen victims come from all sectors, all backgrounds, all financial means. You can avoid becoming a victim by not sharing your personal or financial information and never send photos of yourself to someone you don't know, as it could be used to extort money from you in the future. And scammers are also working with artificial intelligence using text generators, voice simulators and deep fakes moving forward. It will be even harder to know online what's real and what isn't. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Well, uh, Lindsay is joining us in just a moment. And Lindsay, uh, my husband is out of town on Valentine's Day. He's always out of town on Valentine's Day. But I got a Valentine today oh. from Taylor, who's running our teleprompter, and uh, even got a chocolate. So, um, you know, it doesn't have to be someone you love to share, to let people know that, um, you know, that you have, uh, you know, someone's thinking about you. I thought, that's so sweet. And inside... I love the tight shot. The, the best part is, uh, it says, I can't even... Um, 
What does that say? You... Oh, so stylish. Oh. oh, so stylish. So Taylor really thought about it. So I appreciate it. And Linz, I'm going to give you the top. Oh, because oh. I'm going to die. You. You know what? Taylor is a Palantine. There's Galantines. Oh. There's Valentines. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Pretty cool. This day is for everyone, Nathan. <laughs> and you know what? This ended up being our warmest Valentine's Day in almost 40 years. Can you believe it? I believe it. Okay, so yeah, we made it to a high of about <laughs> 9 degrees, and tomorrow is going to be even warmer. In fact, uh, we're forecasting a daytime high in the teens, and if we get there, we will be about 15 degrees warmer than average for this point in the season here in Toronto. Let's get to your forecast. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. I'm going to eat that chocolate right after this forecast, Andrea, I promise. The record to beat for tomorrow is 12.2 degrees. That record set back in 1954. I think we're going to do it. I don't think we're going to break the all-time February temperature record, which was set just a couple of years ago on February 23rd in 2017. That was nearly 18 degrees. So again, not quite that warm. We're forecasting 14 here in the city. Overnight tonight, we dropped to about 5 degrees, remaining very mild. And then here's a snapshot look at tomorrow. We do have a few showers that's going to accompany that surge of mild weather. We also have some very gusty winds, which we're going to get to in just a moment here. But Belleville, 12 degrees is your forecast high and 8 in Halliburton. Here's the next low pressure system. It's inching ever closer to us here in the lower Great Lakes. Environment Canada issuing this special weather statement warning of the winds, especially late in the morning Wednesday and until about late afternoon. So here's a look at some of the forecast peak gusts, maybe anywhere from 60 to 80 kilometers per hour here in the GTA. And those winds could be especially strong once again in the Niagara area. So just a heads up on that. Forecast radar. So it looks like some shower Hours begin through the overnight hours for us, maybe waking up to a few sprinkles of rain, but you'll notice that this really isn't a soaker for us. We'll maybe pick up one to two millimeters of rain. Then we get into a dry period late day Wednesday and through much of Thursday. But look what happens Thursday night. The forecast, uh, the models are disagreeing a little bit right now. It is a bit of a tricky forecast with the temperature starting to fall. But at this point, I would plan for maybe some mixing or some freezing rain into your Thursday evening commute. Friday is a cold day, but it's it's a one-off. We are back above freezing and above seasonal as we make our way into the family day long weekend. That's your look at the forecast. Nathan, I'll send it over to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. Well, despite the warm weather, it still may not be the best time to be thinking about being on the water. Well, for some people who dock their boats at Ontario Place, it seems summer may not be such a hot time of year either. Our Scott Lightfoot explains. On a warm February day, the Ontario Place Marina sits empty. And today, those whose boats normally fill these slips found out that won't be changing with the seasons. When the email came in, we were pretty shocked. Tori Taffner and her family rent one of the 240 slips at the Ontario Place Marina. This morning, they were informed that work at Ontario Place is scheduled to begin on critical infrastructure like sewage, water, gas and electrical and, quote, in the interest of public safety during the construction and in keeping with the government's redevelopment schedule, the North and South Marina at Ontario Place will be closed starting in 2023. Many boaters say the timing of the announcement just just weeks before the boating season could begin has left them high and dry when it comes to finding a spot in another marina. There's only a few downtown, so your, your options are limited. And at this point, when I called the other marinas in the morning, I, they almost laughed and said, I, I feel really bad for the situation everybody's in at Ontario Place because 
And I quote, they said zero to nil chance of getting off of a wait list and into a slip. One voter told CTV News that the closure means they would have to sell their boat. Taffiner worries that those who can't find a slip elsewhere will have difficult choices to make. They're going to be left with just a couple options, and that's either sell your boat or pay a lot of money every single month to store it off land and get absolutely no use out of it. Ontario Place declined CTV News' request for an interview and provided a statement similar to the email sent to boaters. Officials say just how long the marina will remain closed will depend on construction timelines, and work will be done to modernize the facilities and protect against rising lake levels. In the meantime, some who spend their summers here say it's more than just a place to park a boat, it's also a social space, and one that's now being forced to pull up anchor. Some people have cottages. We have a floating cottage, and I'm really sad to see this community gone, at least for the foreseeable future. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. After the break, why Champagne Pappy is now a funny dad. The hilarious interview with Drake and his son, and the words of wisdom from a famous five-year-old. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Some important medical news you will want to know about tonight. Canadian researchers suggest there are a number of barriers when it comes to some aspects of women's health. Including a lack of awareness. Here's health reporter Pauline Chan with the details. I had a woman who was making lunch for her son while she was having a heart attack. And she made him lunch. And then she went in. Not an uncommon situation, says cardiologist Dr. Sharon Rambahar, and that lack of awareness of certain factors for heart health in women is the focus of the new heart and stroke report. Factors such as body size and childbirth, but also other elements. Be that social responsibilities, be that the effect of poverty and your ability to access care and nutrition and housing and education and exercise. Lisa Hutchison thinks about those many factors after suffering a sudden cardiac arrest while working out in 2009. That's the last thing I remember and I woke up a day later being on life support system uh, in the hospital. The cause of her cardiac arrest was never found, but she was given an implanted defibrillator in case it ever happened again. And looking back, she realizes that despite her active fitness routine, there were other things she should have paid attention to. You know, getting up too quickly from my chair and getting a little faint and just thinking, oh, you know, that was nothing. The Heart and Stroke Foundation says women are 20% more likely to die of heart failure and 30% more likely to die of stroke than men. When women actually get to hospital, if they're resuscitated, they actually do better once they've received the acute care that they received compared to men. The challenge is getting to hospital. Dr. Rambahar says women sometimes describe their symptoms differently from men or bystanders can be reluctant to do chest compressions on a woman. Hutchison says women shouldn't be afraid to put themselves first. Talk to your doctor and, and get it checked out. Pauline Chan, CTV News. Drake is arguably one of the biggest stars in the world, but he's also a father. And for the first time, his son Adonis sat down for an interview, and the little charmer was quite entertaining. In the past, this is how we saw Adonis Graham, by his father's side on stage or courtside at basketball games. From the first photo Drake-born Aubrey Graham released of his son in 2020, there has been much interest, and now the child is speaking publicly for himself. Can you read? No, I can't. Do you think if you had a better dad, you would be able to read? This is my better dad. 
Yeah, and that's a funny dad. Also, he does a lot of jokes. At the comedic interview shot in Toronto earlier this month, he was once again by his father's side, taking part in an interview on Sunday Conversations with Caleb Presley, a popular series for Barstool Sports. Apparently, the five-year-old, juice box in hand, did not know his father is known the world over as Drizzy. To him, the entertainer is just dad. Drizzy Drake's son. What does that mean? Presley, a former college football player turned podcaster's interview, captivated social media. There's a lot of friends of me that are really nice to me. But what do they say when they're being when they're being nice? They say, I like you because you're being nice to me. Off camera and then on, it was Drake's turn to be grilled by Presley, asking the Grammy winner if his son thwarts his attempts for romance. He definitely just like always is like vibing out with me, telling me like how great I am as like a father, like a single father. So maybe he is trying to like deliver a message. Drake and Sophie Brousseau, Adonis's mother, are no longer together, but share co-parenting. As for the child's striking appearance, it's all grandma. The family, along with Drake's dad, recently celebrated Sandy Graham's 75th birthday. Bye-bye. Even outside of bye-bye, is there any one more thing you forgot to say, but you were about to say it? I forgot to say that I'm a shooting star. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Hazel is forever part of our history, and we are forever part of hers. Updating our top stories, a final farewell for Hazel McCallion. Thousands of people gathered in Mississauga to honor the former mayor on what would have been her 102nd birthday. I don't see anybody uh, pushing to have him go. He's the one who said he's going. Allies of John Tory are encouraging him to stay on as mayor. Tory announced Friday he'd be resigning after an affair with a former staffer. Tory says he plans to remain in office to oversee budget talks beginning tomorrow. It shattered my femur bone. So I had seven hour surgery, blood transfusion. And now I'm, I gotta learn how to walk all over again. A Toronto man left with life altering injuries following a hit and run is fighting to get the constant care he needs to live. He's now facing a potential legal battle with the insurance company of the driver who hit him. On the markets, the loonie was unchanged at 74.97 US. Oil dropped about a dollar to close at 79.06 a barrel. And the TSX gained 256 to earn the, end the day at 20,704. The Leafs may have the reigning Hart Trophy winner back when they host Chicago tomorrow night. Again, the mindset and anticipating, anticipation of uh, playing and just kind of go, uh, go from there and see how I'm feeling tomorrow. Austin Matthews says he's looking to return to the lineup after being sidelined for three weeks with a sprained knee. Toronto is second in the Atlantic Division. The CFL is assuming ownership of the Montreal Alouettes. The league will fund all operational expenses and continue to ensure all of the team's financial obligations are met. This also launched an accelerated sales process. Today's announcement comes after co-owner Gary Stern announced in August that he was stepping away from day-to-day -day operations. 
Still ahead, a show of love and support at a time of need and for a good cause. A Valentine's Day story you won't want to miss right after the break. Finally tonight, a story of a special Valentine's Day gift for one very special Toronto student. As Raheem Ladani explains, it comes at a time when the boy needs as much love and support as he can get. There's breakdancing, some flossing, and yes, even a Congo line. All happening inside Mill Valley Junior School in Etobicoke. We have a dance-a-thon in the gym where, and there's snacks and balloons shaped like a rainbow and 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 we're raising money for sick kids this valentine's fundraiser has a special place in these kids hearts because their classmate liam is in the hospital he loves to draw he is a very good friend he loves arts and crafts and i like to um be with him a lot Liam was first diagnosed with leukemia when he was just three and a half years old in 2019. Now seven years old and in grade two, Liam was readmitted to Sick Kids Hospital last month and is once again undergoing treatment. Liam's one of those kids that, you know, his class knows him really well. The older kids, the younger kids, he's got a really big presence. Um, and so I think originally there's a lot of confusion from the kids. For a lot of them, this can be their first exposure. To help students cope and be part of his journey, the school has even developed a writing exercise. This is um, the mailbox. We wrote letters for Liam and we put them in there and they are going to take them to the hospital. And Liam's family has handed out these bracelets. Be contagious. A message to be courageous. An important reminder for both Liam and his classmates. And while he may not be in school with them anymore, he's always on the mind of his friends. He's really good at gymnastics. Yeah. And uh, I kind of do gymnastics class now, and that me makes too. me think of Liam when I, I do also gymnastics. Do, I also do gymnastics. And on this Valentine's Day, each student wishes they could be dancing with Liam. Raheem Ladani, CTV News. All right, to the forecast, and tomorrow, well above seasonal. It will be. The trade-off is it's going to be windy. In fact, Environment Canada has just upgraded a special weather statement to a wind warning for areas like Hamilton and Niagara. You can see it there in purple. The forecast daytime high for tomorrow, 14 degrees. But yeah, we'll have a few showers to go along with it. So not a bright, sunny day like we enjoyed today. We can expect a few more peaks of sun as we make our way into the weekend. Nathan and Andrea. All right, thank you, Lindsay. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zarada Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.